I'm Aaron Rothstein of the Ethics and Public Policy Center's Bioethics and American Democracy Program. Welcome to Searching for Medicine Soul. Today's guest is Samuel Shem, Professor of Medicine and Medical Humanities at the NYU School of Medicine and a novelist, playwright, and activist. Shem, thanks for returning to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, so I wanted to go back again to the House of God and then man's fourth best as we kind of did last time. Um, one of the interesting relationships in the House of God is Roy's relationship with his girlfriend, Barry. Uh, their conversations juxtaposed with Roy's experiences inside the hospital demonstrate, I think, the stark contrast between a life in, med in medicine or a life inside the house of God and a life outside of it. And this is particularly true about humor. Um, Roy and his colleagues laugh at some very dark yet ridiculous situations with patients. And when Roy tells Barry this, she says that laughing at these things is sick and she gets angry with him. Roy says, a rift had opened. Up until then, Barry and I had been in the same world, outside the house of God. Now, for me, the world was inside the house. And it you know, brings up this idea of medicine being isolating, which we kind of talked about last time. It isolates people within it because the experiences of sickness and witnessing sickness are so thoroughly consuming. But I think there is something to the question about humor in medicine. And why as is so often the case, are, do our senses of humor become darker as we go through the process of becoming physicians? And should we try to resist it or embrace it? How do we think about humor in medicine? Well, um, I think that 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 passage that you you mentioned is the only time that his girlfriend. <clears throat> woman friend, uh, actually came into the hospital to see what was going on. And the fat, and Roy is so far out, he's really making fun of, of people that are hardly conscious, you know, not doing, they didn't hear any of this, but it was really awful, the Gomers. And, uh, and he was just off, this is when he was really, really bad and very sarcastic just to stay alive. And <clears throat> You're right. What what the fat man said is, you know, when when Roy when uh, Barry says, you know, you can't do this. You, you know, you 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 can't talk about human beings like this. And Roy has some kind of a retort. You know, yes, I can. I can do whatever I want. And and the fat man says something like, you they you can't. They can't know this. Other people can't understand this. You, you have to really have a barrier between what you say in here and what uh, loved ones here and also the public for certain. And he says something like, do you think that um, <clears throat> do you think that teachers want to hear about what they in private talk about it for their children, you know? And that was a, a really for me writing that I was uh, that li that line came to me as a, just a absolute. I was startled. You know, when you write, you don't know the, what you're doing really. You just it's it's like uh, at least me. I'm sort of in a different sphere. And then oh, who wrote that? And what does that mean? I mean, that really when I teach the House of God, I always teach that. That uh, at NYU in the in the symposium, uh, I always talk about that, and it makes everybody understand. And 
um, it's it's a it's it's just another way of bonding with other people who would understand that um, that way of talking. And uh, Barry cannot understand it. She just can't can't understand it. No matter how awful it is. And the the we realized in the house of God. <clears throat> Very soon after we see what saw what we were up against with no support really except our own friendships, that um, we realized that okay we can behave in one way when nobody else is around, but and but because of disasters when we were out of the hospital and talking like this and people looked at us like what what are you what are you talking about you know. Um, and so we were. You have to be very careful. Um, and actually, you know, black humor, uh, like Catch Twenty Two and all the great, great uh, books about, uh, you know, in war. I mean, think about uh, the Ukraine. We can barely see. We can barely turn our eyes without blinking toward the horror that's going there and nobody's making any jokes because everybody's on the same uh, wave that this is just about as bad as it gets. And I don't even think certainly uh, in some wars like good, you know, like world war two, there was, there was, uh, you know, uh, uh, ways of talking that was just in a jargon that they, that helped keep them alive. And, and sane. But I'm glad you brought that out because um, I always have to explain that in, in that whole year, I don't think anybody ever made a mistake of having a, patient's, a patient or a patient's family or visitors ever hear that. Never did they hear that. It was just that was the rule. It was an unspoken rule. But that was the rule. And that's why Barry never went into the hospital because Roy didn't want her to see what was going on there. Um, and I always, I mean, when you're in a situation that you are asked to do things that you don't think are right, what are you, you going to do? And you have to do them mostly or, or or cheat on it. Um, humor is humor is what helped to uh, to get the work done. To ha- to not get, as I said last time, not get uh, isolated from each other, and not to get. I- this is the one I think each person gets. I eventually um, gets isolated for his his uh, uh, reality. Uh, of the situation, you know, um, and uh, that means you get you you think that I'm crazy for being for seeing for seeing this as crazy, but humor was one way to just you know just relax kind of and and bomb and 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 it it brought humor if it works is more than one person right humor is a connecting. Uh, it's always connecting unless you do, you know, 
bad humor or, you know, these days, you know, it's kind of hard with woke and all that stuff, which, you know, that's a whole show we could do, but we won't. It's yeah. A good, question. good question. Yeah. I, I mean, I, cause I know that that still goes on. It went on with um, me and my co-residents and co-interns, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of dark humor and it, it was bonding for us. And I have to say too, that I, I think it took the edge off of the anxiety surrounding everything that was going on it was like you open up kind of a release um you know the the kettle's boiling kind of thing and you have to take the top off um but but we did not share the jokes with anyone beyond you know physicians or nurses um and um yeah i just it, it's always this fine line to balance because it it's dark humor but it do, it can't be nasty um and it can't affect cynicism and everything like that so um i think it's one of the tougher questions in medicine yeah the other topic i wanted to bring up so medicine seems like a magnet for ambition and not always in the best way i think grades and scores in medical school uh internship residency fellowship can can make or break a physician like you you will be stopped from going to the next stage um if you can't make the grade and I'm not saying that knowledge of science isn't important, but I, I sometimes wonder whether our obsession with scores is proportional to how much they actually differentiate great doctors from good doctors or good doctors from those who shouldn't be doctors. So it, you write in the House of God, to become an intern in the best medical school system, he had to make an A. And to do that, he had to make a disease so he can make a cure and make a lecture. And he saw his grade fluttering down toward low C and his internship moving west of the Hudson River. What, uh, what do you think? Um, yeah, very. What, uh, what do you think makes a great physician? And do we need to start thinking differently about medical education in relation to, to grades and things like that? Well, that's a very good question. Um, it used to be, even in the... Uh, <clears throat> the House of God time, that you were really rewarded for for having all of this information in your head so that you didn't have to go look it up because it was harder to look it up than it is now. And my God, what we, I mean, we learned uh, very quickly that having a good memory, which in those days I I had one now, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you could, you could, I remember going through a, a, a whole ward and I being able to say, well, what was the, what was the, um, what were all the blood values, you know, right to, to the, to, to the decimal. And um, it was not, I mean, you know, that was, it, it was not necessary. I mean, I think what's a good doctor it's not being able to perform on, on rounds, of course, and, uh, and to be the one who has this remarkable memory. Um, at best, and I'm not sure about this because I haven't been on enough rounds, uh, when you don't have to remember, you got your, you got your thing there, you know. Um, you know, at best, those those are those are the only things I think. Well, not the only one of the only things that's good to have 
a tablet or whatever with you when you're actually with a patient. Because if you need something, you've got it. And I don't know, I haven't been on enough rounds. I've been on some rounds, not recently. Um, that when you, when you're, I mean, you don't have to remember the data really as much. You have to remember, but, but it takes away from remembering the patient sometimes, you know. I mean, you, you, I'd love to hear your opinion about that because um, there is uh, a, this is, this is male more than female doctors, I think. There is a pull in male doctors to think, oh, I have all these things in my head and I can spout them out and we'll get this like you know, fixing the car. Um, and that can get out of hand, as you know, partly because you're, you're spending so much time billing. You know, you're there at the computer and you're billing and you're fighting the insurance who doesn't want to pay and you're, you're being forced to, to inflate the, the uh the uh, bills that you're sending across that. So um, as you know, I have come down on the side, uh, very deeply come down on the side, including, you know, having a Buddhist practice, that um, the, the most important thing in life and in being a doctor is connecting. It really is being able to make connections. You know, like I just just had this. I just had this uh, guy from the from uh, from the uh, who's who's going to get us, Janet and me. We're we're trying to figure out how to get a a new furnace because in the winter, boom, it, it went out, and we now now fixing it. And these kinds of things can be difficult sometimes because I, I don't, we don't know anything about, you know, burners or boilers. But he was, you know, it, he, he, he had a way, he just liked his job. You know, he was probably about 45 or something like that. He just liked this job and he just, and he just came in and he started kind of talking because like maybe because I was a doctor that he had a, you know, he had to move away from doing the heavy stuff in the company to doing, you know, assessments and things like that, not the lifting. Uh, and it made all the difference. You know, they were very, he was late and all that stuff was not his fault, et cetera. And it's, it's just a little example of if he made a wonderful connection. That was, he just had a nice, a great personality. He made a, you know, we talked about his kid and all that stuff. Um, that's what is at the center of getting to any kind of important dialogue, you know, and the dialogue is the way that you get into uh, a connection. And the best kind of connection, like, you know, in every one of the books that I've written, uh, there are times when various people do make m mutual healing connection, not too often. In the house of God, there are several uh, really good connections, which are mutual connections. If it ain't mutual, it ain't that good, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that came out in every book 
not because I had it in those hospitals, because I didn't, didn't really. Um, but uh, it's something about my writing. That's why I write. I write to make things better, really. And people might not agree with that, but that's what I, I think I said the last time. I, when I hear, it, when I see or do or am party to uh, something that uh, I have the reaction, hey, wait a second. And uh, inside here, I go, hey, wait a second. This is not right. Somebody should write about this. I guess it has to be me in a novel because that's what I that's what I do. And I'm luck- I was lucky enough to have some talent and also to have some time. I think those are the things you need to be an opera, uh, opera to be <laughs> opera, too, I guess, to, to be a writer. Um, so the, the real um, epidemic against good relationships uh, is our being squeezed by uh, mostly by insurance companies that just is horrific. It's, it's just say money, being squeezed by money. I mean, every single day I hear about or somebody sends me an email or something like that about, you know, I can't do this anymore. Doctors, so many doctors and nurses uh, are just just fed up. So what I always come back to is, hey, wait a second, something's wrong with this. What can what can I write that will um, will help? And that came out as I said last time, having grown up at, in not just at but in the sixties, the sixties. I had a shock this last uh, week. I was down in. <laughs> I was down in uh, I, the first time in, in two years and three months. You know, I've been just just here in Boston, n- never, not even going out too much. I mean, anyway, because of the COVID, because I had it and didn't want to get any anything like that. Again, so I had uh, I had teaching to I was teaching to uh, some kids. I have to say that from my view. Uh, medical students who are graduating and uh, in who are taking an elective in uh, writing, and uh, and and so it was ho- it was the whole week and it was great and the la- and they very 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 good kids and smart kids and they wanted to learn something more than just the molecules and stuff. They're about to graduate and and something was going on and I had talked about the uh, you know. Uh, my hey wait a second moments and i said something about you know this makes me think of my favorite uh song of dylan there were there were four of them in the course and there was silence <laughs> and they they said who <laughs> well maybe i tried nobel prize for literature who <laughs> I couldn't believe it. My favorite, you know, uh, uh, singer and poet of, of those kinds of things. They didn't know who he was. Just didn't know who I was. So I wasn't going to let that go. I said, oh, God, I said, I feel so old. Uh, you know, they never had heard about him, which is, says something about going to med school or going to wherever they came from. They're, you know, <laughs> they're perfectly wonderful kids. 
And before I could say anything, you know, I just went like this, you know, and they knew it. And, and uh, one of them took out her iPad, right? Boom, 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 boom. And I said, look, why don't you, I, 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 why don't you play my favorite song? You know, that'll be, it'll make, make, make you, you know, et cetera. And so we sat there. It's called Up to Me. It's it's a it's a rare song. It doesn't didn't make any of the big albums. He did it was one of the base, basement tapes. And it's all about, I guess it was up to me. And it's a mixture of up to me to make um a relationship with someone, up to me to stop the relationship, up to me to um actually be a, a resistor. And so that was I just bring that up because oh my god that was a that was a shock I don't know <laughs> tell me if I said this maybe if you remember on the previous show um I'll tell you how deep this went uh in my past cuz he was our he was at least my main uh star up there we're about the same age he's a little little older um I was in um when he got the Nobel Prize, I was giving a talk in Australia. Did I tell you that? This no. Is no. Okay. Um, it's sort of arrogant, but what the hell. Uh, so I was giving a big talk. And then that night, it turned out, he was given the, the uh, literary prize. And I was very excited. So I went in the next morning, and I was on early on a talk show. And the guy knew my work, and he was very uh very laudatory about the work and all that stuff and i said look and he had been playing dylan while i was listening in the in the waiting room and so i got there i said i'm so glad you're playing dylan can i could i just sing a couple of lines from my favorite uh uh of dylan and it was this place he said sure so i just sang a couple of lines and then he looked at me and he said this is the best thing anybody's ever said to me. No, not really. But um, he said, well, you're kind of the the Dylan of medicine. And I just, my my head sw swelled. But that is reason, quite a compliment. Yeah. The thing, the reason I talk about it is because I, I left the the studio and I, there was a, there was a big, long walk you could take around the sea up in Brisbane. And I was just, you know, having my, just, I was very happy walking around. And by the time I got to the end of the walk, an hour, hour later or something like that, I decided I wanted to be called Chem, like Dylan, you know, one word. So that's when I, that's when I started to really go by Chem, to really embrace what I do, right? I don't, when they call me Dr. Bergman, uh, <laughs> The meter doesn't register. <laughs> Thank God. Except, well, well, I'm going to the doctor after this talk. I mean, you know, old getting old is not nothing serious, but it, you know, right? Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting that point you make about memory and and having ac easy access to all this information on rounds because I think it does it it changes the game. It, in some bad ways and some good ways, bad ways, because we're always looking at our digital devices, but good way. I actually think it, it opens the door to, um, it opens the door, I think to other physicians who don't have those kind of 
um, you know, photographic memories that may have once been required. And I do think that's important because to be a great doctor, I think you you have to care about your patients. You have to care about other people. The, the fact that you care makes you look things up. It makes you form a connection. It, um, it makes you a great physician. Uh, and if you don't care all that much, if you're not really into it, well, then who cares if you can remember, you know, the um, pathway of urine through the kidney or the filtration system of the kidney, you know? Um, and I just noticed that on rounds that the the students and the residents and colleagues who are most impressive are those who are clearly dedicated, who clearly care. But, I, you know, I don't know how that ought to translate into how we shape medical students um, or residents. You know, how does that change medical education? Because you still do need to know the biology so that you have a grounding to understand what you're looking up. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you deal with that? Um, I, you know, I think I grew up in a house where the humanities were very important. And so the thought of the human being and man's or woman's purpose and um, what it means for what, what human dignity means, all these questions that these great thinkers debated and, and talked about, I think that kind of forces you to go back to the, the basics about you know, what makes a human human. And, and it makes you care in a way because you, you have all these great stories about other people around you. Um, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the formula for everyone, but I think for me, it made a big difference. And that actually brings me to another question about being under duress and thought process under duress in medicine, because I think just as medicine can bring out the best in us, or we work harder than we thought possible to help our patients and our colleagues, it can also bring out the worst. And in, in the house of God, Roy says, Mrs. Risenshine arrested, and I was surprised to hear myself cursing under my breath as I resuscitated her. I wish she would die so I could just go to sleep. And I was shocked when I realized that I just wished a human being dead so I could go to sleep. Animal. How should we think about this uncomfortable and awful thought process while, while under duress? Is it a culture of medicine issue? Is it simply a kind of human weakness in the face of profound sleep deprivation? Yeah, it's it's very hard to um, when you get to well, well, from what I hear, being with students, medical students now, and interns and residents, um, I I I think they. Um, they don't quite get to that point very much, you know, because they're 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 not they're not exhausted a lot of the time. I mean, they have clear clear heads much more of the time than than we do. I mean, this what what drives people nuts is is if there's no let up, if there's absolutely no let up, and you're the only one there. Uh, for another 12 hours 
and you got to do something that's really hard to do emotionally and physically and and it just you it it's really really hard to get to who you better are than at that moment um and that's where everybody gets into into trouble um and what what what's happened with the the the, uh, the lesser hours uh, on call um, is is a kind of chance to be more human throughout your shift. I mean, it's a pretty easy shift, and usually you have people around, and you're teaching hospital when you're going through that, and and I think what what happens to people that make it and really, let's be positive, people who really become good, compassionate doctors, why, there, are, there are lots of them. How do they do it? How do they do it? Well, they have been in bad places, not alone, like with the fat man coming in. Once he's there and who can teach, etc., cetera, um, he can mitigate not just what you do, but it mitigates getting into that just that one ball that's your brain. You know, what you do, the terrible thing it, when when you're really in difficulty, no matter what the difficulty is, is to turn away from uh, your experience in, 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 in the past and, and then in the future, you know, and that there are ways that, that I can make this better. You know, I'm not going to die now. I, 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 you know, maybe I won't do the best. And that's, and that's the problem. You know, people who, people who really want to do the best all the time really get into trouble, you know, um, <clears throat> because so, there's always somebody better. <laughs> you know, in, if right. you look at life, if you look at life that way, you are not the tops. There's somebody else who remembers more bones or whatever they're going to be. Um, so th- th- there, I think right now, I don't think the stress comes from not from, from, from too little sleep and, and, uh, what you have to know and be able to sort of immediately do because you can get, you know, what you immediately do by, you know, either talking to someone or even, you know, now just clicking and you got a lot of more, more information the 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 once again the real problem that 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 disconnects doctors from themselves from others from loved ones from their work is the anger and the frustration that um that that you get by sitting on your ass for 70% of the time. And I don't know if, if this is true of you, Aaron, but it, it just lately, even just lately, the last six months, year, maybe people coming out of, after the COVID, even in just menial jobs, even in simple jobs, I am finding every single thing that I try to do in the culture, there are errors. There, people don't get it right, 
know, it's it, I I finally after uh, two and a half years almost never going you know going from Boston to to teach at NYU. As I said, I went back for a whole week. It was quite quite wonderful to, to get out and get my brain going again. But um, you know, I had to change my ticket for an early train, and then I said, you know, I said, don't touch the return trip. So. Um, when I went to to get my return trip out to get on the train, he changed that too. You know, and it was never you know, on an on an You know, it seemed like a random t- train he got me. I don't know, it was two in the after, you know. Anyway, um, I bring that up because in oh, maybe the, it's because the, the COVID is in it, all of us now. We're not out of it yet. With with all of the ways that it uh, impacts us, um, it's another. It, we're we're dealing with these machines, and uh, it's it's kind of okay if we realize we're doing with machines, doing things with machines to get a train, but doing with machines for people's lives. I don't know what's happening now. In medicine, but I would bet you know errors are going to go up because we're 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 not so that the biggest I really do think that's why I wrote Nance Fourth Best Hospital. I just was absolutely when I first saw all of the uh, machines and especially the the uh, burden of, of making money through the machines that the, the machines that you don't want to be doing. You know, you don't want to be getting the the most lucrative uh, reimbursement. I, I think the one thing, I mean, the one thing that we have to do, I I really think, is get to get something else than that because it's killing us. It's it's literally suicides. You know, um, so if if the goal really is to be a good doctor, and if if the goal and a good person, and if the goal of that is being connected well to the people you love and to patients who you don't love necessarily, but who you you you're a human being to, but that's you know you've been on 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 rounds. I've been on rounds. Rounds. They stay outside the door most of the time of the patients, you know, thing, and maybe one they'll go into or something like that, you know. And then as soon as it's over, bang, everybody goes to the machines. You know, they're like cows getting, you know, getting milked. This, this, <laughs> yeah, getting milk for money. This, 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 you know. It's, it's, uh, if there's one thing that has to be changed, it's, uh, we can't spend that time as bookkeepers. We just can't. Because it, it just is, is a pain in the ass after, what, 30 years, 35 years of of training for not for that it's a this is a this is a crucial time for medicine and you know let me turn to uh the so i that's what that's what the house of the that's what man's fourth best hospital is about and i hope people read it because it's a sequel to the house of god and i just finished i don't know if i talked about the new novel did i talk about it last time no i yeah. too much i gave it all away <laughs> <laughs> no but it's it's but you know the hey wait a second moment was the COVID. Said hey wait a second moment. 
hey, wait a second. Somebody's got to write about this. So, you know, it's perfect, perfect for me. And then, as I said, I, I went back to my hometown, this little uh, little hospital. That's where it's set. And um, this is a very, I guess, because I'm getting old and I see the light more clearly. Um, this is. Uh, this is this is more like it has a very happy ending, which don't doesn't usually come to me. Um, mine can be half happy, but uh, but it's really really a happy ending in terms of how one little hospital who was under the grasp of private equity uh, managed to get out of it, and actually I won't but get out of it in the best way possible. Uh, by really, really a community of care was was mobilized, you know. And what I really like is that uh, I was I was I've been criticized certainly for House of God for depicting nurses as they were, although that's the way they were. That was my <laughs> you know, that was my uh, defense. But uh, the heroes. Uh, there are doctor heroes who are, and also the, the, the nurses are heroes there. They're really heroes. And they are heroes because they they almost always, when there's a horrific uh, work situation, they're, um, they're, they get together in their, um, you know, group, uh, and they usually settle whatever the, the, the situation is. You know, um, they have a, a union, and uh, and they they come through. They come through. So I I hope that nurses will will like that as well as others. Yeah, so, I mean it, the the burnout question, as we talked about last time, it, it's a little interesting because it you know back then it sounds like the burnout was you're just you're worked to the bone um, and you're alone. Yeah. Uh, whereas now you're not necessarily alone, but you're in front of a screen. And so if you care about other people, if you care about your patients, you're not really doing that. Um, you're doing something you didn't sign up for. Uh, and so that leads to burnout. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good way to put it. It, it 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 you can't get rid of the feelings that you have for say 16 hours a day doing that and just wash it off you know it just doesn't work um and maybe there'll be some way to make it better i don't i don't see what it is but i just wish that doctors and nurses would get together and use their incredible together power to get things done what what are you doing now as a as a as a doctor? In terms of like clinical care? Yeah. 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 So I'm I attend on the wards, see patients in clinic, and then cover night call here and there. Uh-huh. In general medicine? Is that it? In uh stroke neurology. Stroke neurology. Wow. Wow, how do you deal with that? That's hard. It is hard. It is. You know, I think as with other things in medicine, it 
you don't become numb necessarily, but you are able better to deal with it, I think, once you see things mm-hmm. often enough. And, you know, that I'm also very lucky I have great colleagues, which sort of brings it, you know, to, to the point you made about being around people and having connections. And, and I even remember in residency that the best moments of residency were, or the best moments of call <laughs> um, were, you know, while with other people. So I remember being an intern at Bellevue and covering the oncology service at night. And the patients were just so sick, so incredibly sick. And you look at this, you know, laundry list of patients, all of whom have fevers, and you have to draw blood cultures and draw labs, and you know, you just feel overwhelmed by the amount that has to be done for them. And I remember two other interns and I were on nights together, and what we did was we just went around together and helped each other out, drawing blood, drawing cultures. And I just can't imagine doing that without colleagues. I just can't imagine it. But it it, it made things so much more manageable. And and you know we used humor to get through it. We kind of helped each other get through it. It it really is meaningful to have colleagues who you can depend on and rely on. I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and especially it's especially uh, precious when it's hard to find the time or the emotional uh, asking or thinking about that. You know, we're supposed to be able to do all this stuff, but guess what? In these days, it's, 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 I think in some ways it's even harder. I, I wouldn't have survived, I don't think, if I had to uh, do all of the uh, billing stuff that you do. You know, I don't think yeah, it's awful. Um, one final question that may not relate totally to medicine, but uh, it's a theme that runs throughout your books, and I just feel like I have to ask. You know, it, there's a ton of reference to um, Yiddish and protagonists being Jewish throughout. You know, Man's Fourth Best, um, House of God, Spirit of the Place. Uh, a lot of your writing just has this kind of undercurrent of um, Jewish themes to it. How did that come to be? What? How should we think about the the Jewish themes in your novels? Uh, well, what comes to my mind, my my answer will be a funny one because the Jewish humor, of course, is very funny. But this was funny, not so funny. <laughs> I guess I must have been around eleven. This was in this small town of Hudson, New York, where I where I uh, grew up. That's where the new novel is is set. I'm back there. Actually, uh, uh, I don't know if I said this to you last time, but I realized that I've now, with this new novel, I'm now um, writing the the Shem Quartet. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just so, and uh, you know, the new book. Will be will be out in um, in about a year. Slow, it's done. I don't know why they, they don't. They can't find paper or, <laughs> or printers. That's what they say. Oh my uh, gosh! Anyway, okay. So here I am. I'm probably 11 years old, and I go in for the first lesson. Um, 
to study for my uh, bar mitzvah. And this guy is a, is one. Of, he came from the old country. He was already old then, you know, with yellow teeth and you know didn't didn't speak English very well. So he takes out this little book, and I'm sitting next to him. And he said, he says, okay. He says, he points. He says, Aleph, Ah. What do you mean? I'm thinking. I'm thinking what do you mean, Aleph? He's pointing at a letter. He says, Ah, no, it's. So I say, Aleph, A. He says, no, 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 no. He says, he points. He says, Aleph, <laughs> Ah. You know the the sound. Um, and I say, Aleph A, and he looks at me, and we're having a little thing here, you know, clearly we're not on the same page, and I didn't know what he was talking about, you know, and so, uh, he, he, I hadn't, this was at the Jewish Community Center where they have, you know, you could go and play ping pong and stuff, and he had a ping pong battle, <laughs> at his right hand there and he looks at the ping pong battle and i look at the ping pong battle and i know what he wants me to say he says aleph and he picks up the ping pong battle <laughs> aleph ah i look at him i say aleph a and he says i'll cripple you bang he hits me on the head with the, <laughs> with the ping pong paddle and i said ah <laughs> So, I mean, that was seminal for me, you know, because um, I was brought up fairly rigidly Jewish. You know, this guy was a, was a, you know, they could hardly speak English. He was all in Hebrew. And um, so I, you know, I was filled with, the, like many people who grew up Jewish, you know, with the Jewish humor to try to not get your head knocked with a ping pong paddle. Um, and so that was, you know, the, the character, um, well, what I, what I realized, we're talking about comedy, right? Where, when, when we, what I realized, um, after with, I, I never, I never, I had written plays and stuff, never a novel. And I, I didn't put that much humor in them. And they weren't done, but most of them, some of them. And um, <clears throat> but when we got to the internship, there were you know it was a Jewish hospital, and um, I would guess I can't remember. Maybe half the interns were Jewish, something like that. And half the house staff was probably Jewish. Maybe you know, about about that. And you know that. The, we 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 used all kinds of humor, and part of it was Jewish humor, you know. I mean, like in the House of God, there's this thing where you sit down to the ten o'clock dinner, which was a great institution. They don't have them anymore, I don't think. But the leftover stuff from the cafeteria at, at ten o'clock, they rolled it all out. You could eat as much as you want, you know, reheated. There was crap, but you know, as and and, you know, you'd, you'd leave if you're on call. This is at 10 o'clock. So you go over, you know, you get coverage. Who's going to cover if anything happens? 
and you just sit and and talk. And you talk. We talked about how horrible these gomers were and gomers and all of that stuff, you know. And they were so funny. I mean, we were laughing our heads off, you know. Um, all different ways. I, I, I'm not sure I could I could remember one right now. Let me see if there was a. It doesn't matter. But, you know, really good, not just jokes, but joking how we do it. And, af- and you know, after, you know, we probably probably had a half hour break. You know, we took took a call from there. You go back and you felt a lot better because of the connections. You weren't alone. You just weren't alone. The hardest thing is if you're alone in the middle of the night and somebody's got something wrong, seriously wrong. It was it, so. I never thought I was a funny writer, but in the same way I was a funny doctor, I I had to. We relied on humor to get our way through. Well, humor and booze, humor and booze, and and all kinds of other substances that were okay in those days. And uh, the way we, got, the only way we got through, is the book. Is is that you know, in their different ways, like Chuck is very, very funny and different and eat my dust Eddie and hyper Hooper and all of that. And the fat man, of course, uh, was a funny guy. He didn't tell funny jokes. He was a funny guy and there wasn't any fat man. So I was the fat man in, and, and so that's, that's how, how I came to, I, I humor with, Lots of other people in the same vein got me through the internship, and it, and I had to do that through the book. That's what it was about, how you get through. And um, and then that stuck with me. I, I had actually, I, I had more of a, when I did the first part of it, um, I think maybe the editor said, you know, this is so awful. Uh, you have to write, you have to write. I said it to myself. It's so awful. Uh, if anybody's going to read it, I, they had, they had to be laughing. It, it had, it had to ride on humor. Like we wrote on humor. It was uh, everything that's in that book is really uh, accurate in terms of how we got through it. Everything, you know, I mean, I, not everything was real, but so I found out I was a funny writer. I didn't know I was. And so I realized that I have the ability to, to share people's laughter, you know, like the one that was one that constantly at first I heard, you know, Oh, uh, you know, uh, I was laughing so hard in bed. I woke my wife up. (laughs) That was the uh, central reaction to it. But then it gets, if you carry the reader along with laughter in other, and in other ways too, a good story and all, uh, you can then take them in very dark places. Like we, we, we got through the dark places because we were with other people and with, it, with other people in sharing humor and doing whatever it needed to do to, to, to get people to keep going that way you know the people there were people who got isolated as in the book and they they suffered they really really suffered 
because that's a, it's it's a it's a very it's like an addict or an alcoholic. The the alcoholic is either going to make it or not make it when he's alone. Say he he's alone. I mean, I treated uh, addict addicts for many many years as a, as a, as a uh, psychiatrist and and uh, and uh, we wrote a play about uh, man's fourth best about uh, AA and all that. But um, the 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 a there's if 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 an alcoholic or an addict is really fed up and, and is and is going to use or drink, the ones who make it in in spite of every little cell in your body wanting to get drunk, you hear and you hear the, the voice to say, "Don't move that way. You pick up the phone. It's the phone or it's death." And because people have been there in that fellowship, and there's an opportunity to call your sponsor, the one and but everything physically is saying, "I need a drink." The ones who reach for the phone are the ones who live, mm. you know. And it's the same thing with anything as hard as an internship used to be. I think it's a little easier now. That when you just want to isolate. The people who survive and some don't a lot of a lot of uh, suicides they they move they move to the to the to the cell phone and they call or or even online I guess and ask for help and and it comes from like um, making it a habit and and having a sponsor in those programs having a friend in medicine. You know, the be- maybe I will close this with saying the best thing you can do in this kind of really tough medicine now is have a friend or a partner. You know, that's the best thing you can do. Absolutely. Totally agree. Shem, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. And uh, it was, a, once again, a wonderful conversation. Yes, you, you make it easy. You make it easy. When's thank the next one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We'll do part three. No, the next uh, Textbook, I think. Yeah. This podcast has been produced by the Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C. Visit eppc.org to learn more about our programs, events, and podcasts.